The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. So my question is, how can I ask for help in a way that makes me feel both authentic and understood? So how do you satisfy an impulse to build a living around multiple passions and be in constant learning and growth mode when you exist in a world of work that keeps pushing you to pick a single passion or skill set or become an expert and just keep doing that one thing, maybe for life? That's the question today's listener Sarah poses. She's noticed that when she works in less purposeful, single-focused, non-growth-oriented roles, she becomes drained and uninspired once the initial novelty wears off. And she wants to reclaim play and variety, pursue different passions. And she's also really clear that she's fine, always learning and not necessarily being an established expert in any one domain. But Sarah feels like potential employers want to hire people who are committed to one thing, one craft, one skill set, and is feeling pressure to pick a path or profession that feels too limiting. And she's not alone. So How do you handle expressing an impulse for many things when the world of work seems to want you to just be one thing? That's where we're headed in today's Spark Podcast. And on deck with me this week from the Spark Brain Trust to help tease out what really matters and share insights and ideas is Jenny Blake. Jenny is a podcaster, career and business strategist, and an award-winning author of three books, Life After College, The Groundbreaking Pivot, for Navigating What's Next, and her recently published Free Time for Optimizing What's Now. And hey, quick note, you'll hear us mention something we call sparkotypes in conversation. Well, what is that? Turns out we all have a unique imprint for work that makes us come alive. This is your sparkotype. When you discover yours, everything, your entire work life, even parts of your personal life and relationships, they just begin to make more sense. And until we know ours, we're often kind of fumbling in the dark. Just like today's listener did, you can discover your Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. You'll find a link in the show notes. And hey, if you'd like us to answer your question in an upcoming episode, you can also find a link in the show notes to submit your question to the Spark Brain Trust. Now, on to Sarah's story and question. I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Spark. Hello, Jonathan and the Spark Podcast team. My name is Sarah, and my pronouns are she, her. I am a multi-passionate, creative individual, and the thing that really sparks joy into me and makes me feel like my most authentic self is learning and growing through active and creative play. I'm happy to say that my Sparkotype profile is very accurate. As a lifelong learner, it's probably not too much of a surprise that my primary Sparkotype profile is the maven, but my shadow profile is the performer, and I'm trying to let her out a little bit more, while my anti-sparkotype is the advocate. 
To give you a peep into my world, I graduated college about five years ago now, and in lieu of a proper grad school, I've since been in the school of life. I've learned to support myself and to fit into society as an independent contractor, and I've been very fortunate to work in the industry that I studied in school, which is film and television production. I love all of film production, but most of the time that I've spent professionally in the industry has been in post-production. On small indie productions, typically short films, I've been a storyteller, editing and color grading and doing more creative tasks. And then I've also had many experiences on the other end of the spectrum, where the show is very large and my role is very small. And I've affirmed through many of these gigs that when I work in an office and when I feel that I am not contributing creatively to these projects, I become depressed and uninspired once the initial novelty has worn off. So by the end of last year, I sort of reached a breaking point with this routine depression and I decided to reclaim my play. I embarked on what I've been calling a quest to find fulfillment and decided to invest wholeheartedly into my active training, which is manifested as Irish dance, Aikido, gymnastics, weightlifting, rock climbing, all sorts of things. And it is also manifested as play through work. So at the very top of the year, I left my in-office job for an on-set job and I took on more creative projects rather than corporate projects. And I never felt more fulfilled and more authentic in my memory. So now that I know how good it feels to be fulfilled and to have purpose, I now need stability to, in some part, commit myself to one path. This is really saddening and a bit frightening to me because I am an aspiring circle. I'm really satisfied by having all of my skills growing at a similar pace rather than having one skill set be a lot more defined than another. The two paths that are most strongly calling to me are post-production and performance work, namely background stand-in and stunt work. And I'm really interested and enlivened by this work because it plays to my lifelong learning lifestyle. It's also performance it's adventurous. I get to play make-believe and dress up. I feel like I'm contributing to the show. And they're typically very short gigs. So while these paths are objectively very different, the philosophical challenges that they present me are the same. I am not defined by one craft. I need the freedom to flit around to the projects and the roles that call me. I also feel very pressured to put myself into a box because my superiors, the people who would be hiring me, want total commitment and prefer to have the person who is able to label themselves as one profession. So the skills aren't the things that I'm having trouble acquiring or pursuing. I'm actually very excited and energized by learning those skills. What I'm having trouble with is forcing myself to fit into shapes that 
I don't feel identify me. And it leaves me feeling misunderstood largely, but also unable to ask for the help I need in order to grow and get out of the stasis that I'm in. So my question is, how can I ask for help in a way that makes me feel both authentic and understood? Thank you so much. Take care. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Tomer Korn, LinkedIn's Chief Product Officer. On my podcast, Building One, we dive deep into what it takes to build great products. Recently, we had Zach Perret, the CEO of Plaid, and he shared about his struggles building a financial app for consumers and how he was able to turn it all around with a critical pivot. Take a listen. I personally couldn't resonate as much with the consumer set that we were trying to reach. I just didn't have that level of empathy. When we made the shift to building a B2B product though, I was building the product that I wanted. My co-founder and I were creating the product that we wanted ourselves and we had so much empathy for what that product was. Such a great insight. You know, in that sense, we got lucky because we were, we were creating a thing for ourselves. And then the people that we were talking to also had the same problems we did. They were fintech developers. We'd been a fintech developer. Uh, we'd been trying to build a fintech product for a year. and so. We had such deep empathy. We had such a clear ability to... If you want to hear more of Zach Perret's story and the lessons that follow, listen and subscribe to my podcast, Building One. Okay, Jenny Blake, there's so much in here to dive into. Um, I'm so curious on your take on so many different... Um, different questions and ideas. Uh, let's let's start a little bit with a, a bit of a meta lens here. So as she shared in the beginning, a, uh, interested in a whole bunch of different paths and as somebody who loves to sort of be, have the ability to focus her energy in disparate ways and not go narrow and deep into one. And she said she feels really comfortable doing that. She doesn't have to be the best person in the world in any one thing. She feels like largely content being able to actually play in different domains. Her sparkotype was, the primary was in Maven. That's all about learning, knowledge acquisition. As long as she's learning, she's happy. Her shadow, which is kind of the runner-up, is the performer, which is all about energizing, animating, infusing life into an interaction moment experience. And the anti, which is generally the heaviest lift for most people, was advocate, um, which is about championing ideas, ideals, individuals, communities, things like that. So that's kind of our starting point here. Give me your, give me your sort of like, where do you want to dive in here? <laughs> well, there's a lot to celebrate. I mean, I always do want to celebrate how far someone has come, especially what Sarah has achieved, which is figuring out what she loves and even more than one thing that she loves and a whole array of interests and having that visceral experience of being in the zone and that learning that she says she just thirsts for learning, lifelong learning and being part of this team. She said at one point, I have a really inspiring circle. And so she's come really far in terms of applying her skill building and even her professional 
roles to her sparkotypes, which I think is really exciting. And to also go look at a meta level at the end, she said she's wondering how to ask for help in a way that makes her feel authentic and understood. And so I also wanted to celebrate that she even sent this into the Sparked Pod and wrote it in a really authentic way of just trying to understand herself. And it sounds like now the biggest struggle is the tension that she feels between what people hiring her want, which is for her to be a true specialist with only one thing, capital, you know, capital O, capital T, and her desire to be more diversified. So that seems like the current real tension point here. Yeah, and and I agree. And I'm glad you brought up the notion of celebrating because that's one of the things that stood out to me also is she's clear. She's clear about who she is and who she isn't and what lights her up and what doesn't. And also kind of clear about the fact that some of these sort of, you know, like modern work mythology or tropes, you know, like don't really apply to her. And, and she's, it sounds like she's good with that on a personal level. Um, and when she gets to actually just do the things that make her come alive and assemble the things she wants to do, um, she knows what to assemble. She knows what to say yes to. She knows what to say no to. The challenge is, like you said, how do you fit that? With like, how do you make that orientation, that clarity work with a work world, which keeps asking of her to just be one thing and to be, you know, like the, like you use the word specialist, you know, to be the specialist in that one thing, to be like, you're the one who's known for this and only this. And we call you to do this one thing. And the other thing is that industries generally assign a higher level of compensation to specialists. You know, because they kind of know, like, you're the person who does this one thing. There's an industry standard for like this. Um, and here's what, you know, we're going to pay you for. So it makes it, I've, I have empathy for her and I also have empathy for potential employers and organizations and industries because, you know, like they're constantly trying to figure out how do I categorize someone so I can understand what is, what will their contribution be? And look at the previous analogs to understand what is typical compensation for this. Um, and they're like, they've got a lot of people that they're trying to do this with and they're trying to make an organization function. And at the same time, you know, like Sarah's got her own way of being. Um, so it's a really interesting, you know, like point of potential friction, but also potential curiosity and experimentation. It reminds me of a friend I have who, when he was changing jobs, he created three resumes Mm. and they each presented a different facet of himself. So he has this long career in video editing and video production and sports innovation and then some virtual reality. And so, okay, if he's applying for a role at Meta, he might focus on the VR aspect and speak to their interest in the metaverse. If he's applying for a role at ESPN, he's going to focus on how he used to run the Skycam and develop on-field, on-screen graphics for when the football would advance, you know, this kind of stuff. And so I wonder, to an extent, it's not about being deceptive in any way, but it's just which foot are you putting forward and how. And so if it it depends the actual logistics, because I think what's interesting about this is that the substance of the work is so joyful to her. That's not really the problem. It's just this closing the communication gap. So can you have three different websites and you submit a different website with a different portfolio and set of skills and past jobs for each of these categories that you're interested in, at least until one does become a front runner? Because that may happen too, where let's say you're running these almost three selves in parallel or three lanes. There may come a point where just like I always talk about, you know, the analogy of racehorses at the Kentucky Derby, often we start with a bunch of career pilots and then one starts to clearly take the lead. And if that were the case, then she leads with that one 
But these other skills bolster her and make her a more interesting candidate. Because in addition to that one main thing, what's going to make her unique at that is this Venn diagram of all these supporting skills that make her really special. Because I would, so I would never want to deter somebody from not having those elements. Because I do think that the people who are most differentiated are that way because they have such an interesting background of differing things that are so just so unique. Yeah, I love that. Um, and the notion of holding out the possibility of maybe over time, one thing actually having the potential to take a lead and not sort of like automatically labeling yourself as I am this person who is sort of like multi-passionate. I will always be this way. And I'll, like, I'm, I will always have to have a wide range of things on equal ground um, in the mix, just sort of like taking more of an open approach. There's something else. I think there's like a a more nuanced thing that I wanted to float in, and I'm curious what your take is here. So Sarah's primary impulse, um, her spark type is the maven, right? That's all about learning. And what she shared with us was that, you know, sort of like earlier when she was taking these very often post-production behind the scenes jobs where she was a sort of like a, a small cog in a very large production process that it would weigh on her. She said, I, you know, I become depressed and uninspired once the initial novelty has worn off, Right. So here's my curiosity. Is it the fact that the nature of being a, a like a playing a small role in a really big production is not the thing for her? Or is it the problem that the nature of, of that particular role, that particular task, that particular job, that particular production, and her level of skill at doing like that type of work was making it so that she was kind of hitting the cap of her learning potential? really quickly. And it was the fact that she was like, you know, she's got these skills. There's not a lot of novelty. There's not a lot of new, there's not a lot of opportunity for growth for her in these moments. And the thing that was actually de-energizing and depleting and, and leading to this like yearning to actually go do something else was that the bigger issue here is that the na- the fundamental nature of the role um, made it so that in short order, the opportunity for growth for her, for learning was pretty much eliminated. I would, I guess the the question, the invitation I would have here is to say, well, maybe it's not actually the nature of that type of job, but maybe it's the ones that that you know, like she's done in the past. But is there a way for her to actually step back into a mode where she's in post production or creation or like performer mode? And by the way, performers, there's a there is a mistaken uh, assumption that performers need to actually be front and center. They need to be like front of the house, on screen, on stage, to be the ones to really get that performer Jones out. It's actually not true. Somebody on our team as a primary, as a performer, and she runs sort of like the production and the elements, like whenever we do experiences or Zooms or workshops, and she loves being involved in the production of the experience. And that gives her everything she needs, even though she's not playing a leading, like quote, leading role while she's front and center. So the performer really actually can come come fully alive and be activated in a behind the scenes and a production oriented mode, which is a little bit counterintuitive. But I'm really curious of whether the the real thing here that's stymieing her is that the nature of the post production, the nature of the creative like roles that she's playing behind the scenes, there's something about them that just don't allow for any meaningful learning opportunities. And what if you actually could find something that did leverage your skill set where 
there was just there was a huge amount of sustained opportunity for growth. What what's your take on that? Did you did did that speak to you at all when you were reading it? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and we even talked in a previous Sparked Pod about the difference of being a builder, maintainer, optimizer, and then you had another great metaphor where in Pivot the book. That, that I wrote Pivot, um, I talk about high net growth individuals. And I'm smiling a little bit because it does, it was before I, before Spark even existed, Sparkotypes. And yet a maven is inherently a high net growth individual. Like they are not just focused on what am I earning, but what am I learning? Am I continually growing and evolving? And if not, they are going to get bored more easily and more quickly. And so I often talk about this in the context of large organizations who recruit the best and the brightest, but you have to be just as active in keeping them engaged because if you're working with the best and the brightest, they're going to want to, they're going to get bored more quickly to just put it bluntly. So Sarah's experiencing that. And you highlighted something in her question, which was that she specifically said, I find that when I'm in an office, so there was this quality of being in an office, we it's almost like we can, what can we rule out? The knowns and the unknowns. Some of her knowns are that she loves being active. She mentioned so many different physical practices and expressions of herself. And then she even contrasted working on a small production where she's really hands-on, learning, active, engaged, compared to a really large production that, like you said, might be a little more, more bureaucratic. And so she's learning that about herself, that actually the big productions, maybe she feels a little more pigeonholed. And it kind of reminds me, some people love working at startups, and some people really thrive in a large, stable company. And what she's describing, even though I don't know as much about the behind the scenes of, let's say, the entertainment industry, she might be a better fit for finding more of these indie productions to be part of rather than trying to go the big route. So it just sounds like she's gaining so much clarity Uh, so many clues on the path of what to follow. There's part of me that wants to almost say like, you know, just keep going to Sarah. I feel like she, she's getting very clear about what she likes, what she wants more of, what she wants less of. And every time that I've had that experience in my life, where I've worked with coaching clients who have, the path seems to unfold. Like you take one step and I, I call it the universe rolling out the red carpet. It's like, you just have to take the one next step, work on the one next production. And then surprise, serendipity steps in and the next step reveals itself. But you don't often see the full path right at the outset. So I almost want to say there is going to be an element of surrender and serendipity here where, yes, even with these concerns about uh, what she doesn't want or what potential hiring managers want from her, I still have confidence that by following her energy and how passionate she is about the things that she is clear on, she does have momentum and that momentum will continue to snowball even if she can't see exactly how yet. Yeah, I'd so agree with you there. It's interesting also that you referenced startups in the conversation. That was another curiosity of mine. Sounds like Sarah has, you know, she's got chops and she's got experience and she's got credentials and a track record in a particular industry, you know? And so it tends to be like, okay, so that's the thing I'll keep going back to because that's where I can probably hit the ground running the most and, and understand at least, you know, how to do the thing I'm here to do. But I was, I'm really curious because the world of smaller organizations, especially startups, especially like funded startups, you know, if you take a maven and you drop them into that universe, there is an endless opportunity to learn. And that tends to be the type of culture and environment where provided it's a healthy and functional culture, which is not always true, 
in startups. You have to sort of like really understand and vet the culture before you're, but I'd be really curious, you know, like to like whether there might be an interesting sort of like new realm of exploration for her in the world of startups, because not only are you constantly learning all day, every day, you have to learn. It's part of it. And generally, if you want to play in five different domains and you're willing to actually do the work to learn what it takes to contribute in those domains and be useful um, in that environment, people are like, have at it in a way that is completely different. Now, this would require potentially saying, okay, so this is not a world that I know all that well, you know, like, but maybe there are startups in the entertainment realm. You also keyed in on her. Um, she's clearly got a really powerful um, draw to somatic expression, you know, iris dance, Aikido, gymnastics, weightlifting, rock climbing. Like what if you actually looked to the world of well-being, of movement, of you know, like health and fitness and um, and looked for a rapidly growing organization in those domains? Because it sounds like you would then have the interest, the, the overlapping interest in somatic expression and the opportunity to really be engaged in constant learning and novelty and the the truth is rapidly growing organizations also really need people who are capable of animating and energizing interactions, experiences, and moments. So um, those are the things that were all sort of like jumping out at me, especially as you were speaking and you start to reference those different points. Yeah, I love what you're saying. And there are always these interesting opportunities. And the interesting thing is that a startup that's how you thrive in a startup is to be a jack or Jill of all trades. Because sometimes that quote is used, oh, jack of all trades, master of none. But in a startup, that's what they need from you. They need you to be what in baseball would be called a utility player, like throw them in any position they can thrive. And so it sounds like it is more about just finding the right context that is going to allow Sarah to be her diverse, interesting, multi-passionate self rather than trying to fit. It already seems pretty clear from her question that trying to squeeze herself or make herself smaller just to fit in a specific tinier role is kind of soul crushing to her. And and I hear the desire to have more stability. So it just sounds like she's at a real fork in the road. Like, okay, the good news is that I love developing these skills. I have so many of them. I've learned some things about myself. And now the question is, how do I create a stable life and a stable living out of it and not not worry or not let what other people say that she should do interfere. And that's sometimes the hardest part is just all the shoulds. I should focus. I should specialize. And I don't, although I'm not in the biz, in the industry, I know one thing we often hear coming out of Hollywood is just how directive they can be with how everybody needs to look, how much they need to weigh, how much, you know, there's like so much top down kind of, we need you to fit in this specific mode or role or look or way of being. And the good news about even all these streaming platforms is that they're they're diversifying so much of what's possible for everybody involved in every step of the production. And there's more happening now than ever before because of all these platforms too. So I feel like she's also entering the industry at a very interesting time where there's no shortage of shows to be a part of. And you were talking about startups, Jonathan. It's like now she she may very well be able to find roles that are at the intersection of production and technology and innovation that's happening overall in the industry. Because that, that would keep her learning, too, if she would felt like she was kind of on or ahead of the trend in any one of these arenas. Yeah. I mean, especially when you look at tech and media and entertainment right now. 
there's everyone is pushing into new domains, new formats, new channels. Um, and it's all changing it so quickly. I mean, we exist in a space that is changing so rapidly. Um, I've been in podcasting for a decade now. You've been in it for probably close to that, right? So we've seen so much change. Um, and yeah, I, I think part of the invitation that we're saying is like, what if you both looked at different opportunities within the industry you know, and what if you looked at some very different industries where novelty and growth are built into the culture and celebrated? So, which I think brings us full circle to her question. She asked at the end, what I'm having trouble with is forcing myself to fit into shapes that I don't feel identify me. And it leaves me feeling misunderstood largely, but also unable to ask for the help I need in order to grow and get out of the stasis that I'm in. The question she asked then is like, how can I ask for help in a way that makes me feel both authentic and understood? And I think maybe the, the question that we're asking is, is there a different question? You know, like, which is, are there different domains, realms, opportunities, organizations, industries, projects where everything that you need is already an integral part of what they do and what they're looking for in people? So rather than maybe, you know, like figuring out how to ask people to break the mold of what they're doing so they can accommodate your need for diversity and learning in, in novelty, finding a whole different universe of opportunities where that is actually central to what they do. I mean, does, does that land with you? I love that. Yeah, I love that. And then don't be afraid also to look for people. So if we're building out the questions here, another question could be just who is doing work that's exciting to me. And sometimes all you need are a couple examples of people in front of you or a little bit ahead of you in their career where you can actually see and talk to them, even if you're so lucky, but you don't even have to. That's not always a requirement just to see who else is doing these things that interest me? How are they doing it? How are they approaching it? And I, you know, I call it drafting. You imagine you're kind of reducing your own tailwind by riding behind them like bikers in the Tour de France, but you can draft from people you don't even know. They just serve as a guiding light of someone who's doing something that's interesting to you. And the more you can collect those and have them be even in your imaginary corner, like I said, you you just don't even need to talk to them. Podcasts are a great resource for this. The more bolstered I think you'll be too, Sarah, for asking that question Jonathan proposed of like, what's Stephen Johnson calls it the adjacent possible. What's the adjacent possible that I might not have even considered yet? And who is creating this kind of portfolio career in an interesting way that is demonstrating that there is more than one path and there's more than one possibility. And that, because I, I agree, and I think it's implied in your question that you do not, you, having trouble forcing myself to fit in shapes I don't feel identified. Who can? By the time you're getting to forcing that's when in my career, I've gotten sick, I've gotten burnt out, my body starts sending signals like we're not going to put up with this anymore. So I, I agree with you, Sarah, even right in your question that forcing is just counterproductive. It never really works, even if we can fake it for a short amount of time. So I, I hereby give you permission not to force yourself to fit into those shapes and to have a little faith that if you keep exploring and learning, if, if nothing else, that learning will support your maven 
kind of desire. And then I love what you said, Jonathan, just going back to earlier in the podcast, the performer element that it doesn't have to mean that you're the star of a production, but finding really rewarding elements even behind the scenes. And you mentioned the podcasting industry. There is so much interesting work happening now in narrative podcasts or really creative podcasts with really creative audio soundscapes. And that might not be tactile enough and sort of physical enough for Sarah, but I would keep an eye on these emerging industries around surrounding entertainment uh, because there's usually, that's where you'll find a lot of opportunity yeah, and like we've we've said, Sarah clearly has not just you know, certain developed skill sets, and she's very clear about the nature of work that fills her up and empties her out. She also has really clear and strongly developed um, interests, and those interests can often be signposts to pull you into different sort of like zones of exploration when it comes to work as well. And also, one final thing here: if Sarah, if you find yourself saying, "You know what? For the time being, I'm going to say yes to a twenty hour a week." job that kind of like, just because I know it's going to give me the stability I need while I'm playing, while I'm running these experiments, while I'm looking at all these different industries or opportunities or possibilities, there's, I'm a strong proponent of that. Some people kind of look at that as saying, oh, you're giving up or you're going backwards or like, no, not at all. Like I, I, I'm a huge fan of saying, okay, so for, for a window of time, if it makes sense in my life, if I just, if st the stability it would give me would just let me breathe more easily and feel helpful and let me give me the freedom to run all these other experiments outside of it, then just say yes to this thing that will both make you feel comfortable and ease and secure, and at the same time, give you the time and the space and the energy, the emotional and cognitive bandwidth to go and play. Not because you're saying, well, maybe this is like the model for like the future for me, but just because this is the thing that for a particular window or season is going to let me figure out like have both the combination of stability and and possibility while I figure out what this next season looks like. Um, I think that can be an incredibly fruitful thing. And on occasion, somebody who says yes to that as an interim model gets into it and they start to realize this actually feels really good. I'm actually pretty cool sustaining this. So keep yourself open to that as well. Any final thoughts before we wrap, Jenny? I love that. There's so much to be said for a steady paycheck because it can just relax a huge part of your brain, just the survival piece that's wondering how to pay the rent. And if you can take care of that, the story you can tell yourself is really like this part-time role is it is the startup capital for this next phase of your career. And that runway is incredibly valuable. That ability to rest, put at ease, that's that part of yourself that needs to pay the bills so that you can devote even more energy when you're not doing that part of your work to the creative stuff and to your learning and to your physical activities that you enjoy so much. That can go such a long way. So I just, I love what you said, JF, and being willing to just mix and match. That's what this next phase is about until a clear winner emerges. Fantastic. Jenny Blake, thank you as always. Love being able to jam on these things. Sarah, thanks so much for your like really thoughtful and open um, and vulnerable uh, sharing and question. And uh, we are always looking for new folks to share submissions. So you can always find a link in the show notes if you would like to actually ask your own question and potentially have it selected for us to explore on a future episode of Sparked. And until then, we will see you next week on Spark. Take care. Hey, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation, learned a little something about your own quest to come alive and work in life, and maybe feel a little bit less alone along this journey to find and do what sparks you. 
And if you'd love to share your own moment and question with us, we would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and click on the submissions link in the show notes to get the details on how to do that. And remember, if you're at a moment of exploration, looking to find and do or even create work that makes you come more fully alive, that brings more meaning and purpose and joy into your life, take the time to discover your own personal Sparkotype for free at Sparkotype.com. It'll open your eyes to a deeper understanding of yourself and open the door to possibility like never before. And hey, if you're finding value in these conversations, please just take an extra second right now to follow and rate Sparked in your favorite podcast app. This is so helpful in helping others find the show and growing our community so that we can all come alive and work in life together. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Fields, and this is Sparked.